Hey, my name is Sean Patrick Thomas. You might know me from Save the Last Dance or from the Barbershop franchise, but you might also know me from my role as Alan Townsend on Reaper. And you are listening to the Dead TV Podcast. back to the Dead TV Podcast, podcast dedicated to all the canceled TV shows in the sci-fi, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And we are returning after a rather bumpy schedule through the month of June due to COVID and uh, Mahoan driving stuff and vacations and other things. We just It's just been a bumpy June. I think the last time we recorded was just before I got COVID. And boy, COVID sucks if you get it, by the way. Get your vaccines and your boosters. If you're afraid of it, whatever. I don't know what to say about all that, but I believe in vaccines. It sucked, let me tell you. <laughs> right after vacation, too, I got it. Ah, oh, man. Like, I had it one day back from work, and throughout the day, I'm like, something feels off. No big deal. Go home that night after the gym, 102 fever. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully we're going to be back on schedule all the way to the end of Reaper into Alienation. Plus, we have an interview with somebody from Alienation. Big, important somebody, too. We don't want to put off forever, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we do have a lot to cover with Alienation. Don't forget, we have the TV show, but we also have, like, six movies, too. So, <laughs> And they're all part of the Alienation story, so it's a kind of important to cover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we are still on Reaper. And uh, Thank you for uh, tuning in. Don't forget, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Please check us out there and leave a rating. Also, send us an email thatradiofhorror at gmail.com and we'll read your feedback on the air. Moving right along, we're going to dive now into the episode. Mr. Zeneca has the plot synopsis. Reaper, Season 2, Episode 7, The Good Soil. Originally aired April 14, 2009. The devil once again forces Sam to team up with Morgan to take him on another soul capture quest. But predictably, the devious and selfish Morgan takes off, leaving Sam to do all the work, in which Morgan plans to take all the credit. When Sam and the guys find the soul, Bobby, they try to set him up with a woman when they learn that he has not done the thing with a woman. But when Sam attempts to double-cross Morgan and Satan in capturing Bobby, it leads to an ender, sent to destroy Bobby. Meanwhile, Nina tries to introduce Ben to more of her life by taking him out flying, much to his worry. Also, Sam continues without success to make up with Andy, who continues to avoid him and treat him badly at work. Elsewhere, Sock tries to get on the good side of Kirsten's father, but without success. Yeah, we're finally bringing that entire plotline of Sock and his stepsister to a close because they have totally gotten together. <laughs> I'm totally over it. Like, the whole Kristen and Sock, I'm totally over it. It's kind of ruining his family. Yeah, that's what's to be expected when you have sex with a family member. I don't think Pornhub was quite the thing yet at the time when this episode aired, but definitely around the time of Game of Thrones, Pornhub had blown up like crazy, and the number one watched thing on Pornhub is the stepbrother, stepsister, stepmother, stepfather pornography. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, so big, but it's also, you know, acting, too. 
So they're not it even is. actually related in real life. The, everyone is an actor, you know, a pornographic actor, you know, and it's it's it is the most popular kind of porn out there is the taboo of banging a relative that's not blood related to you. Yeah. Which I'm sure happens. And I'm sure it happens between, oh, I'm related to you through marriage, but we're not actually related in blood. Let's hook up. Or we just got I'm, divorced. I'm it, let's hook up. You know, like in Clueless, Paul Rudd and Alicia Silverstone's character are stepbrother and sister. No more. Mm-hmm. Their parents got divorced. Yeah. So and I think after the divorce, it's okay because you're no longer relatives and you don't have to be forced to see them every Christmas and Thanksgiving. Try explaining that to anyone who knew you were related through marriage, though. They will still give you the look of like, well, yeah. Are you kidding me? You hooked up with your steps, your former stepsister? Yeah, it is ew. completely taboo. Yeah, it's not ew, Bo. It's just it's taboo. It's it's gotta give you the look. So unless you move to a faraway land where no one knows you, then nothing to worry about. Uh, so that gives Sock the idea to jump into the shower with his hottie Asian sister. And that's what even makes it more taboo. It says she's Asian, so there's the exotic Asian-ness to it. You know what I mean? And this entire scenario with Sock and his Asian stepsister reminisces of a little thing I went to this past Monday, Mr. Zeneca. Oh, where did you go? I went to the Wilbur Theater in Boston, Massachusetts to meet Simu Liu, a.k.a. Shang-Chi from the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings Marvel comic book movie. Oh, did you get his autograph? No. Aww. He uh, talks about, and he says that it's mostly Asian women, but Asian guys do get this too. The exoticness of dating somebody from Asia is so American taboo, you know, because they're from the foreign land. They look very different than your typical European or American or Canadian. And he's Canadian, by the way, Asian. He's not American. So there is a lot of that, and it's a stigma and a stereotype that, you know, films like Crazy Rich Asians, Shang-Chi, Everywhere But Nowhere, you know, the Michelle Yeoh multiverse movie that just came out. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Thank you, that one, you know, have been trying to not focus on. Yes, and, and racial tabooness and racial fetishes are pretty common, but you want to take a look at the whole person and not fetishize someone by their race. You're attracted to the full person, not just because they're Asian, not just because they're black, you know, nothing like that. Right. Now, if you have like a thing going on with your partner where you make like a, a sexual innuendo joke while you're in the heat of it, and that's okay between you two of you, that's that's something else, you know? Yes. Like, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm going out for Chinese tonight between your legs, <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm just saying. I'm not saying I've ever done this before. <laughs> You sound very experienced in this. I, I'm very serious in this. I didn't date somebody of a person of color and make a comment or whatever and her completely giggle and push me aside. So I'm just saying. <laughs> well, Sock tries to enter into the shower and she is not cool with it. No. Nope. Not cool. It's different when they were at the B&B and they could be somewhere else. No one knows who they are, etc. <laughs> but when it's at the house, no go. Everyone's got a romance plot line going on. Sock and his banging his Asian stepsister. Andy wants to go see mm -hmm. a bloody horror movie, which which is perfect. That's my kind of woman. Andy, date me. Call me. 978-dot-dot-dot-dot-dot-dot-dot. <laughs> um, I'm lonely and single. Anyway, uh, Ben plays fetch with Nina like she's a dog, I guess because she's a demon. Hot demon. Yeah, and she seems to like to play fetch with him. She is pretty much naked, right? Or is this like a mystique thing? You know, Mystique and X-Men had, like, the blue everywhere 
Was she walking around naked or did she peel off the pasties that were the scales? Honestly, Mystique is always naked, even if she has the shape-shifted clothes. Do you think she shape-shifts she, over she, her nipples in her downstairs business? Well, yeah. Okay. You know, she can be whatever she wants to be. So, you know, if she wants to be male, she could be that. You know, it's everything that she does because yes, she is, is the, also uh, a nudist. She's the ultimate transgender superhero, even though she's primarily female because that's her original, you know, origin. And that's, that's what she that's always... That's her identity. That's her identity because yeah. that's what she always reverts to as. But she has mm-hmm. always been also bisexual because she's had a relationship with a blind woman named Destiny. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Anyway... Arnie Hammer continues playing Morgan, the worst character on the show, next to the British piece of shit from the last season. (laughs) I'm sorry, but Morgan and her are neck and neck for the biggest pieces of shit on the show. The devil is a better person than Morgan and Ben's ex-wife. Definitely. Yes, because at least the devil has an excuse for why he is the way he is, because he was cast down to earth by God. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) you know, daddy issues. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and Morgan is just a spoiled rich boy. Right. He's going to pay Sam $20,000. Holy crap. Sam has the vessel, but he never got the box. I wonder if that was a deleted scene, a cut scene we didn't get to see. Because I'm pretty sure almost every episode we see him get a box and take the vessel out. Big thing of yeah. puppy smoke. No, he just has the vessel all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, the devil never handed it to him. Nope. He just has it. And it's a dodgeball, a bright red dodgeball. And when they confront the soul, he says, oh, you know, I used to have those thrown in my head all the time. If you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball. (laughs) Exactly. One of the greatest comedies of the 2000s. I don't always want to say of all time. I'll break it down to the decades. But of the 2000s, fucking dodgeball still holds up today. I don't care how crass it is or rude it is sometimes. The soul for today is named Billy, who's a virgin. Yes, he wants to get laid before he dies, which, you know, who can blame him? I know. I mean, have you ever been inside? Assuming he's straight, a woman, it's pretty awesome. So (laughs) I sympathize. Hey, I'm straight, and I'm willing to say that being with a woman is fantastic, you know, consensually, and her body, her choice, is fantastic to be part of. That's all I'm going to say on that. I think that, you know, people sharing their bodies in whatever the way they deem fit is always beautiful. Truly a magical thing. So you got to sympathize with this guy about wanting to get laid before going back to hell. But, of course, he's in hell. Isn't there all sorts of debauchery in hell? As far as I'm, as far as I'm aware, being in heaven is like being part of the Jedi Order. I don't know. They don't really talk about much heaven in this show. They talk a lot about hell, but there's not a lot of talk about what heaven is like, except for Steve saying... That it's better than Cancun, and that's really the only clue that we've gotten. You know what's really funny? There's a hente cartoon where being a demon and a devil is good, but being an angel is bad. Because the demon and the devils don't want to hurt people, and the angels are end up being the ones who like grow penises and like rape the demons. Weird. Yeah. Then they're all female angels that grow, you know, magical. Yeah. Okay. Like you would in hentai. Magical appendages. Magical appendages in hentai, yes. So I I thought that was very, you know, very funny. Yeah. He went to hell for the minorest of offenses. Yeah. He was ogling a married woman. That was it. In his mind, he was undressing her, and then he got hit by a truck. That's lame. That's not... In my opinion, that's not enough to actually convict someone. But, of course, this is, you know, thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. And 
he was coveting. So the devil felt a little bit bad that he had to take this soul because uh, of the rules set forth upon the earth by God. By the way, uh, Sock's father-in-law, Morris, did you know we've seen him before in another show we've covered? Which one? He was Elvis number two in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, the TV show. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, but this dude has probably one of the best careers in, like, television. Going to the 90s, he started out working in Japan, by the way, of course, because that makes a lot of sense, him being Japanese. I believe he is Japanese. But he worked on Mobile Suit Gundam, was in Mantis, and was on the X-Files, and has been in Smallville. As far as I'm aware... He is the first Asian actor to play Reed Richards, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four. Nice. Yeah, he was the voice actor of Mr. Fantastic. I was like, huh. The actor's name is Hiro Kanagawa. Yeah, I mean, just weird to think about. Like, But yeah, God, his IMDb is massively huge. I, Zombie, and Star Trek Discovery he's on recently. And just, God, huge career. Dude has like, he's one of those guys, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's a prominent Japanese actor who's just like, he has just got work in American television, so kudos to him. The soul, Billy, is played by Jake Sandvig. Oh, yeah. And and he just started his acting career in 1998 with a, a short film called My Way Home. He's in one of my but, favorite movies, uh, comedies called Easy A. I have not heard of that one. It's about, a, it stars Emma Stone when she was like playing high school girls every five minutes. It's It's kind of along the lines of The Scarlet Letter. Okay. He was also in the TV show called 20 Good Years as Hugh Pine. Yep. Uh, in the show Weeds as Alan Spiller. Never saw it. His last credit is in 2017 for Bridal Boot Camp. When Ben, Sock, and Sam take Billy to the nightclub, the song that's playing there is Come Along With Me, performed by Bittersweet. Here's a clip. You want to take a trip for free Sock is very jealous of how much uh, tail Ben can receive. Basically, the way Sock puts it, he uh, Ben is just like a chick magnet, including older women. He's polite. He's way more polite than Sock. Like he treats women with respect. When they when they take Billy out on the town and going out to that nightclub, Ben is very respectful and he's listening to the other woman, the psychologist, and just hanging on her every word. Versus Sock, who just goes in with pickup lines and kind of disrespectful dialogue that's like as if someone's going to actually fall for that. So, yeah, he gets more action simply because he's nicer. He doesn't seem to get the right kind of action, though. Nina, the British woman, the one person he he almost could have been with, he had to constantly keep lying to about everything going on. The, The woman from Battlestar Galactica. That would have been a good relationship had he not been involved with the British woman. Right. And he wasn't even involved with her. It was, it was a deal. It was a friendship type of deal. Oh, uh, and, yeah. And he was just taken advantage of the ento- entire time. But I, I think Ben is a much better romantic partner than Sock ever could be, even if he is a little clingy. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ben is definitely a little clingy. 
that Sam uh, tries to pass off a bad soul, and there's a backup plan if this ever happens, or Sam is... Fa I'm assuming also if Sam gets killed in action, called the Ender. I don't know why the devil just can't do it himself. He's, has, he Literally, the devil is all... The devil has the Captain Marvel... Uh, and when you write Superman badly problem, of all omnipotent power, it cannot be stopped. Right? Yeah. Uh, Scarlet Witch, Superman, Captain Marvel. I'm sure Black Adam's probably going to have this issue coming up soon, too. Magic limitations need to have limitations. Doctor Strange has consequences for when he casts certain spells. In Gandalf or whatever, Lord of the Rings, they have limitations of their powers as well. It seems to take tolls on their life, that sort of thing. But the devil is the devil... I mean, the only other equivalent being to him is probably God or Jesus or a Antichrist, which would be Sam if he ever embraced his abilities. It's just funny that he has a Grim Reaper Ghost of Christmas Future backup plan. And it's, it's funny that the Ender looks like our generic idea of the Grim Reaper. Correct. Well, wasn't that always... Doesn't that go back to like the seventh sign or seal, that movie, the, the uh, Ingham Burnham movie? Well, the, the whole idea of the Grim Reaper, that look of the, the cloak, the very long um, robes, and you can't see the face and whatnot, that's actually pretty ancient. That visage is also the same visage that has been said is the rower that takes you across the River Styx. Right, definitely. It's just funny, I just watched an episode of Justice League, the person who takes them across the River Styx ends up being mm -hmm. Medusa. Who is the woman in Greek mythology that turned the sailors into uh, animals? Pigs? Circe. Circe. She was Circe's prison mate. Doesn't that make a lot of sense? And she's like, Circe talks in her sleep. <laughs> so this ender rises out of the grass, and it's a pretty good effect. It, it seems as if they actually had this as an animatronic, so it was actually rising out of the grass. You could see the grass kind of bulging up around it. So it doesn't look like it was a computer-generated image. The Ender rises up, points in the direction of Billy before the soul, starts headed in his direction. And the Ender cannot be communicated with at all. You know, it has one mission, and that is to capture and, and destroy the soul that it has been set upon. At the time when the Ender arrives, they're desperately trying to get Billy laid, I guess to give him that one final hurrah before he his soul is just completely erased and in the process of lovemaking the ender loses billy's scent and then just disappears which seems which seems a little weird i thought that after sex he would have picked up his scent again because he's no longer entwined with an innocent soul and morgan does the dick move captures the soul and it seems like it's a bad bag for everybody because the stepsister leaves as well um well, first, Sock blows it by going out fly fishing with his new stepfather oh, right. and then spilling the news that, that he took Kristen's virginity. Like, why would you tell that to your stepdad? You know, he, he blurts it out as if it's an insult. You know, it's just, Sock, you can do better than this. And then the Allen plot line comes back into play, which is like, uh, they are not doing very well with this. It should be like in every episode, but it's like here and there and not very consistent because they got to get back to the main plot of the episode. I don't like it. Well, the Allen Townsend plot line really doesn't have a lot of meat to it. You know, no. they're trying to get some idea as like how he got out of his deal with the devil. And Allen's not really wanting to say that because he doesn't want to 
spark any sort of waves. He doesn't want to rock the boat at all. He just wants to live his life and then die good so that he can go to heaven instead of going to hell. He's afraid every single time they see him. So he runs. The, the episode ends with Alan showing up at the cemetery, and then we you know, get the, the weird... What is that sound effect they make when they cut? Which which uh, scene? Every scene. Every time they cut to commercial or they end the episode, there's a whoosh, like a shunk, like a whoosh. There's a sound it makes. Uh, I don't know what that is. Every to me, episode. it sounds like an arrow. Yeah, maybe. Um, but it's every single episode has that sound effect in it. And I couldn't even find on IMDb what the hell that sound effect is. Yeah, I don't know. Also in this episode, we have the songs... Miss Halfway, performed by Anya Marina, and More Than Words, performed by Extreme. Here's a clip. Ben finally, though, confronts his fear about flying and enjoys flying with Nina. I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah, that will go nowhere coming up. <laughs> so, yeah, But that's true, all the notes true. we have here for this episode ouch, of the Dead TV Podcast. And now Mr. Zedica is going to go over an episode of Brimstone. Brimstone. And we'll be back in the next episode of the Dead TV Podcast coverage of Reaper. I was a cop. And my wife was raped. I caught the guy who did it, and I killed him. Two months later, I died. I went to hell. 113 of the most vile creatures escaped. They think they'll beat the devil. Nobody beats me. So how am I supposed to send them back? The eyes. Windows to the soul. Destroy the eyes and the damned get a one-way ticket back home to hell. But it's not hell you should be scared of. It's losing your second chance of life on earth. Time to give the devil its due. It's Brimstone, Season 1, Episode 10, Carrier. Originally aired January 15th, 1999. Hi, I'm Ezekiel Stone. Did I ever tell you of the time I caught typhoid fever? It was so bad it even scared the devil. I thought I'd die again. The whole thing started with a matchbook thrown at me from the devil himself. He was going off about microbes before that, singing about gonorrhea like it's a goddamn musical, and blaming Mother Nature for disease. So I finished brushing my teeth and hit the club. I ran straight into a police investigation with CDC stormtroopers bagging up the body. The bartender had died from a mysterious ailment. The CDC infectious disease expert Dr. Maria Geiser was on the case. A house party was the scene of the next outbreak, with five people died tied to a contaminated beer. When I asked the party host about anything strange, she told me of a drunken fight and gave me a couple of names. 
Like the dutiful cop I am, I started tracking down people. I had to bribe a surf shop employee for some info on Wolfie, his boss and one of the guys involved in the scuffle. I went to his place, and that's where I met Sally Ann McGee. She was a real beauty, too. A blonde that spoke in old-fashioned colloquialisms, like smooch and bet your boots. She had said Wolfie won't be coming back, and she was so sure of it that I thought that she had witnessed something. It wasn't until she cried and burned through the tissue that I put it together that she was my target. I gave chase, and she kissed my eyes to share her deadly curse with me. Sally Ann McGee had a super deadly case of Salmonella Typhi, a.k.a. Typhoid Fever. When she was alive, she was locked away from people until she broke out and infected an entire city. Right away, my eyes burned and I started to feel weird. I couldn't see her, but I could hear her. Walking away, singing to herself, Ain't we got fun? All that I could think about was something the devil said to me. Are we having fun yet? I was seriously getting sick though. Blurred vision, barely able to walk. I don't even know how I made it back home. Max helped me upstairs while I prayed that she wouldn't catch whatever I had. After all, I was a dead man and shouldn't have been able to get sick at all. Lying in bed, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> the worried look on the devil's face made me even more concerned. He was afraid, truly afraid. He wore a mask and gloves and backed away from me. I guess the thought that if a dead man who's half devil can get sick, so can he. The parent usually catches the bugs from their kids. This was no different. He said that if this illness prevents me from doing my job, everything we have come to mean to each other will be finished. I responded, I love you too. Then he told me to go kill Sally Ann, and maybe it'll all go away. More CDC stormtroopers arrived as I was stumbling out to complete my objective. I must have blacked out for a minute because they were doing CPR on me and saying I had no pulse when I came to, but still didn't have a pulse when I did. <laughs> I'm sure some of those medics might have thought it was the start of the zombie apocalypse. I broke free and took off before they could lock me down. I found myself at the office of Dr. Geyser to ask about Sally Ann McGee. The next victim led me to Sally's big plan. She was going to contaminate the water supply with her disease. In my weakened state, I was barely able to shut off the emergency valve, moving more like a zombie by the minute. She found me and tried to convince me that she was innocent. My supernatural aim failed me. I was throwing bullets and missing completely. But I finally got her by shooting her flask and the shrapnel got her eyes. After that, I started to feel better. I knew the devil was happy with my recovery as he ordered a slice of angel food cake at breakfast. Angel food. Then he started mocking me about being shunned and hated. So I said that it must have felt like being the devil. Kicked out of heaven and people hate you. While I meant that in a backhanded and empathetic way, he took it a bit hard and disappeared. So I ate his angel food cake and took the rest of the day off. Ain't we got fun. In the role of the typhoid-infected good time girl is Alexandra Powers. 
She started her career in 1983 and appeared in a number of popular shows for one episode. Shows like T.J. Hooker, Highway to Heaven, Silver Spoons, Family Ties, and 21 Jump Street. But she appeared in movies with equal measure, performing in the role of Julia in the Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes film Rising Sun, as Chris Noel on Dead Poet Society, and as Lisa in that shared drama Mask. She's quite beautiful, and it's really a shame that Brimstone was one of her last roles. Our infectious disease expert, Dr. Maria Geyser, was played by Lauren Sinclair. She did a great job, looking like a professional and all. She only has 10 credits to her name on IMDb, mostly spanning the late 90s and early 2000s. Among them, she played the Agent Winters on the movie Face Off, and she played Clarice on the 2002 movie Duty Dating. The very hot and very dead surfer shop manager, Wolfie, was played by Dax Griffin. If you're a Marvel fan, then you might recognize him as the young Hank Pym in both the Ant-Man movies. He's had a lot of TV appearances on such shows as CSI, Firefly, Charmed, and The Vampire Diaries. He played Tim Truman on Sunset Beach and Shane McGrath on The Bold and the Beautiful. That music you've been listening to in the background is a variety of artists all performing Sally's favorite song, Ain't We Got Fun. You heard Peggy Lee, Bing Crosby with Rosemary Clooney, Doris Day and Gordon McRae from the Light of the Silvery Moon movie from 1953, and Van and Shank. The song is appropriate because that's the entire character motivation. She was locked away due to her contagious nature from the age of 18. All she wants to do is to get drunk, dance, and sleep around. She died with a flask of her homebrew hooch, so she wakes up with a full container every morning. Only problem is, she can't get drunk. It's one of those situations where the closer you get, the more elusive it becomes, much like in the episode Heat, when all Gwendolyn wanted to do was to make love and could never get very far since she burned up anyone who ever attempted. In this afterlife, both women didn't turn to malicious violence until their desires kept going unfulfilled and became frustrating. Sally kills with her kiss anyone that stops her from having a good time. Both women also sought to cure their hellish ailments. Gwendolyn went to a therapist, and Sally went to the infectious disease expert. If Sally didn't kiss Ezekiel's eyes and made him sick, she might have gotten the same type of sympathy from him. I really enjoyed this episode. Peter Horton does a great job acting extremely ill. This one is definitely one to watch, if just only to see the devil act so scared. Every morning, every evening, ain't we got fun? Not much money, oh, but honey, ain't we got fun? Good night. And we're back with the home stretch. Halfway through, Mark, of the uh, second season of Reaper now. Reaper, Season 2, Episode 8, The Home Stretch, originally aired April 21st, 2009. The devil pairs Sam and Morgan against each other to capture an escaped soul as part of a contest, who which one of them will win will be Satan's right-hand person on Earth. Naturally, Morgan wants to win so badly that he'll take advantage of Sam's lack of intelligence and common sense to try him th to throw him off. Meanwhile, Sam and the rest of his friends finally track down Alan Townsend, where they try to get him to talk about how Sam can get out of his lifelong contract with the devil. Meanwhile, Ben's grandmother comes for a visit and takes an instant dislike to Nina due to her psychic ability to see the evil in people. And Ben does not have the nerve to stand up to his own abrasive grandmother. Also, Sock tries to woo a young woman named Olivia, 
whom he meets at a funeral, and then tries to gain an inheritance check from the deceased person that he never knew. Again, in this episode, Sock is just being a, a slime ball. Yeah, Jesus Christ. So there was this famous movie from the uh, 2000s, about 2005, starring Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn called uh, Wedding Crashers. Have you ever seen it before? I've seen it a long time ago. It is quite funny. I got a great clip from it. Probably the best clip that most people remember from the movie with a minor character played by Will Ferrell. This is before Will Ferrell's kind of like stardom had really started blowing up. Time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down. And a time to build up. A time to weep. And a time to laugh. <laughs> Time to cast a stone. So senseless. Time to embrace. Damn you, Roger. Time to refrain. <laughs> Roger. Oh! Oh! And Will is consoling the grieving widow, LOL, wicking at uh, Owen Wilson, like giving him the arm jab back, like, yeah, I'm going to nail the widow tonight. <laughs> I totally believe people do this, by the way. I know that people do that. It's not okay at all. <laughs> I mean, going to weddings and crashing it to pick up chicks is one thing. If you weren't invited, no. Jesus Christ. So Ben's grandmother is a different actress this time. Is it? I thought she was the same woman. Not the same woman from first season. Oh, okay. Yeah, the actress playing Ben's grandmother this time is Lupe Ontiveros, uh, who passed on in 2012, but she was on a lot of television shows. You would definitely recognize her. She's been playing Abuelitas for a very long time. She is in two episodes of Reaper, this one, The Homestretch, and The Devil and Sam Oliver coming up. But she's been on uh, Maya and Miguel, Greetings from Tucson, The Brothers Garcia, Pasadena, Los Americans, Rob, Desperate Housewives. A lot Desperate of Housewives, stuff I've never seen before. A lot of things that I haven't seen, but even so, I still recognized her face. Like she has been in a lot of like bit parts on things to where you definitely would recognize her face. So Sam and uh, Morgan are transported together, and it's two vessels in one soul a fire hydrant and it's a competition who will win the devil's favor because the devil wants to play his two sons opposite of each other sam wants nothing to do with it morgan thinks he's a complete liar and that he's playing it down the devil wants uh the best man to win one person becomes his right hand man and all of everything that comes with it the other one will get ten dollars and a bus pass to go home yeah and morgan doesn't want to lose his paycheck like he's a spoiled little rich boy and if he's cut off from the devil's resources he can't survive on $10 in a bus pass. He doesn't even know how. And as much as Sam doesn't want to actually win the contest, he ends up winning it anyway because he ends up being really good at his job. Right. Morgan gives Sam an ass-whooping Morgan style. <laughs> a punch in the face. Oh, my God. Sock and Ben walk in the house, and Sock is basically a racist, saying... <laughs> It's like, who is this Mexican woman cleaning, like, uh, cleaning out a refrigerator? And then he's like, you're not Mexican? He's like, you didn't know I was Puerto Rican? He's like, uh, I don't see color. I see everyone this. <laughs> yeah, that is a complete cop-out that people who are racist will say. This is your best friend. 
you should know what his background is. He, you should know that he's Puerto Rican because uh, okay. you guys have been growing up together for so long. In all fairness, though, I think that people who are not absolutely at all in any way racist will also say that when they're talking about how people are need to you know be equal of everything. You know what I mean? Like when I approach a woman, I don't care about the color of her skin if I find her attractive. It's because I find her attractive, period. You know what I mean? Yeah. The secondary but thing is the fact that she's black or Asian. I dated somebody who was black at the beginning of the year, you know, and, and like halfway through the second date, she brought up the fact that she was black and I was white. And I was like, no, get out of here. Oh, my God, let me take my glasses off. You're absolutely right. You acknowledge the differences, but you can move on. Like, it's just not, it doesn't become a topic that puts any weight on it. But by you saying, I don't see color, that instantly makes you lame. Instantly makes you lame, makes you kind of racist because, like, yes, everyone does see color. It's just it doesn't affect anything. And that's that's a big difference. And if you say, I don't see color, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Just don't no, do that. No, it's weird. Unless you're unless you're completely colorblind and you're talking about not seeing blue greens. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> and then Nina shows up. Nina meets the grandmother. Right. And she does she does see the evil in her and she calls Nina a thing. And she, Nina freaks uh, which, out and turns into a demon. Yeah, yeah. She gets scared and then, you know, turns into her demon shape and then the grandmother has a minor heart attack from the shock of it. Because and, even though she sees the like the evil aura, she hasn't actually seen the demon form. And they were getting along really well up until that point. Nina was saying how she used to be an angel and how she's seen heaven. And the grandmother asked about, have you met St. Peter? And, and they were going on, and it was a nice conversation until the dog startled her, and she turned into her demon form out of reflex, and it caused a heart attack with the grandmother. The... So Ben promised the grandmother that he would dump Nina, and he does. Much to Nina's chagrin. And honestly, he shouldn't. No, he because did. according to the new co-worker of the episode, she is fat, fine, and he would hit that ass. <laughs> yeah, cause she is fine. It's not uh, not okay what you say to her. Just oh my god, this guy's been in stuff before. Uh, he's kind of one of those foreign actors that they need a foreign character to play. But I do love him in anything he's in. He is he is a bit he is a bit hilarious uh, in a lot of his roles. But uh, that is the best thing of whatever. He's just like you need to fix it with that girl because I'd hit that ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that actor's name is Daruwala. Oh, Kessie okay. Daruwala. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, he's been in stuff before. The IMDb is incomplete. I know I have seen this guy before, unless I am mistaken. But there's a few actors in Hollywood that constantly play the foreign character stereotype, uh, mm -hmm. just for good laughs. Yeah. And it's written in there as a comedy. Yeah, this character has actually been on five episodes of Reaper. Wait, he was in prior episodes we've already covered. Yes, uh, Dirty Sexy Mongol. The home stretch. Oh, I guess they're coming up here. They're coming so up. I was going to say, she, he gets hired by Andy in this episode. Yeah, but remember, he also was a customer in a different episode. Oh, okay. I do remember that. Yeah, that's true. The brothers investigate the soul. Morgan sabotages Sam's vessel. Fire hydrant. Shame on Morgan. Sock's uh, funeral bullshit continues throughout the episode. They honestly go nowhere. Colette Wolf plays the beautiful blonde woman that Sock wants to get in bed with. This is around the time she started her career. Her career goes to 2020. She hasn't done anything in a couple of years, but that might be because of COVID. So who knows what she's doing these days. But, uh, you know, kind of a bit part actress. Very, very, very pretty. 
So when they we come back to Alan Townsend, they managed to convince him that they could help him go to Vatican City and live there because the entire city is consecrated ground and he'll have more area to roam around than just the cemetery. Right. Oh, that's right. We kind of overlooked that. That's the reason why he's in the cemetery, because the devil can't cross it. That's not true. The devil's been in church before, right? No. Oh, okay. The demons and the devil can't step on consecrated ground. Do you think the devil's going to crash the plane, kill everyone aboard? That'd be right up his alley, right? No, it would. But in this one, uh, he basically hijacks the plane and takes it to Vegas because Alan has a gambling addiction. Right. And so he wants to tempt Alan back to hell with some gambling, and then he doesn't have to worry about where Alan goes because he already has Alan's soul under lockdown. I think the ending to the plot line with the fire extinguishers gets wrapped up very quickly because according to my DVD of the episode, there was still like 10, 11 minutes left. This is another one of those episodes where the plot line of capturing the soul is inconsequential to everything else happening. They focused way more on Sock trying to get laid from the funeral, Ben's problems with Nina and Grandma, Andy and Sam's relationship, and Alan. The plot line with the Devil's Gate, which was kind of cool to see the gate with them coming through, and the whole thing with Sam versus Morgan does not have much screen time. No, it doesn't. And the soul for this episode is Bud Brown, who runs a chop shop. Yep. And he's played by the actor Michael Adams Dwight, <laughs> who's been on a lot of things. He's been doing a lot of voice acting lately um, as the voice of Jay on Ninjago. The Lego thing? Yeah, the Lego Ninjago. He is the voice of Jay. But he's also been in A Million Little Things as Albert, Mega Man Fully Charged as Sergeant Knight, Are You Afraid of the Dark as Bartholomew, Zoid's World, a lot of voice acting. He's building a portal to hell to get more people out of hell. And then once the scuffles happen, Morgan and Sam are, are being beaten up quite heavily. The soul gets pushed back into the portal, and then the portal collapses on its own accord. They didn't do anything to it. And I thought that the portal would be kind of around for a little bit more time, and they'd have to deal with it, and it just kind of wrapped up on its own. It was a little disappointing, honestly. That wraps up that. If you watch the new horror movie, The Black Phone, big horror movie, lots of talk about this horror movie. It has a, that wraps up that mystery ending. I'm like, what? That's it? I mean, we get a little bit of a closure with our main character, but just wipe my hands of it. It's all good. I, I, yeah, I guess we didn't need much yeah. more of a draw. I mean, I know some horror movies just end. Horror movies just have an ending, you know? And that is also aggravating. But it just, it, it felt like there was more, a little bit more we could do besides the, oh, the killer is taken care of. Da, 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 da. Anyway, um, yeah. that's what happened I mean, with if, this. If they had to... If they, if they had to explode the, the portal or prevent uh, some sort of big, bad tentacle creature from hell from coming out, you know, something a little mm, bit more dramatic to, coming out of the portal, that would have been nice. But no, the, the soul goes back in and then the whole thing just collapses for no reason. Yeah, just no point of having that whole thing. Gladys isn't in this episode either, right? No. Yeah, no Gladys. So they don't even deliver the... Uh, fire extinguishers to the DMV, which is also kind of funny. There wasn't Gladys in the last episode well, they, either, was there? 
No, Gladys was in the last episode. Oh. Remember, she punctures the dodgeball in order to get it through the slot. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's that's right. And then they get the the notice back. Okay. Yeah. But this episode, yeah. she was not in at all. This episode she is not in, and they lose the fire extinguishers because the soul throws them through the portal, so they have no vessel to capture him. If the portal wasn't open, I don't know what they would have done. And then we wrap up with Alan's plot line. Sam and Andy try to go out on a date. He thinks he beat the devil. You know, he thinks he's about to get out of it. But we got eight more episodes to go. You and and supposedly they're all gonna get another season, which they don't. Uh, so you you're not out of your deal yet. Getting out of your deal is the show ends with him getting out of his deal with the devil. The end, or him becoming the king of hell and running things his way. The end. But we don't ever get there. So he's not out of his deal yet because we got eight more episodes to go. The music in this episode. There are three songs. The first is Walking on Sunshine, Katrina and the Waves. Yikes. Black Hole, performed by Aqualung. And Got It Bad, performed by The Broken West. Here's a clip. And uh, that is all we have for this episode of the Dead TV Podcast. Check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, send us an email, feedback, comments, and questions. Thatradioheart at gmail.com. Another podcast I listen to called Superman Lois Tapes. They cover the Superman Lois television series or whatever. They're, they're always like, we didn't have any feedback this episode. We had feedback. So we haven't had any in a couple weeks. So hopefully you bring some on. We had a comment on a, one of the Witchblade episodes. I got to dig it out of the Witchblade files from Facebook. Only because it wasn't made on our website. It wasn't an email. It was a comment on Witchblade. So I got to dig through that to find it. Find it. Uh, it's kind of like once in a while. Uh, we still get comments to the Friday the 13th post from the groups that we were in a few years ago. But I can't stay in groups for, an ep- for a show that I'm not covering anymore. Otherwise I get nothing but thousands of notifications from groups that I don't have anything to do with anymore. So yeah, I will pull that yeah. Witchblade episode out of the archives. Otherwise, please leave a comment on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or on the website, RadioR.com. Send us an email, that RadioR at gmail.com, or on the Dead TV Podcast Facebook, too, by the way. We do have a Facebook. No Twitter. You can email, you can tweet at us, ChristySAV, or at ElegantlyKinky, and we'll be back in two weeks with <laughs> another episode of the Dead TV Podcast. Good night. <laughs>